This is Storage Unpacked. Subscribe at storageunpacked.com. This is Chris Evans with a Storage Unpacked podcast at Flash Memory Summit. And I'm lucky today to be joined by Andy Walls from IBM. Andy, you've got like many different hats you wear. You're an IBM fellow, you're CTO for the Flash System product and other stuff. Yeah. I'm also the chief architect for Flash Systems and I do a lot with the Flash Core module. Aha. Okay. Excellent. Well, funny enough, that is our topic of the day. <laughs> We're going to talk about Flash, uh, Flash Core modules and just help people understand a little bit about where they came from, you know, what they've, um, you've been able to do with it and perhaps, you know, what we might see in the future. I'm not asking you to you know, tell me any confidences that you're not allowed to, but I think having talked to Scott Baker earlier in the week, we got an idea that, you know, that these modules are pretty advanced and other things could be done. So why don't we just start with a, a little bit of detail about where the technology came from? IBM purchased Texas Memory Systems in about 10 years ago, September of 2012. And that was an incredible team who approached Flash from the perspective of hardware. Yeah. And they did their own SSD controller. They didn't sell SSDs. They had a tier zero uh, a flash array that was extremely low latency. And as we were looking for uh, a company to buy to get us into the flash business, we bought them. And so we took their technology and we built on it. Fortunately, much of the team is still with us and it's an incredible uh, team with a few FPGA engineers, firmware engineers, test, and that's what we used to build the Flash Core module with. Excellent. So I, I seem to remember in the first Flash Core modules, they were um, built around your own sort of form factor. Um, so, uh, but that changed over time, didn't it? You sort of use almost standardized to make it look a bit more like a, a traditional device. That's right. When we started, it was really not an SSD, if you will. What it was, was a tier zero box. And we had a RAID controller in it, and we had uh, a fiber channel and iSCSI. And the main way clients used us was to use SVC and with a Flash System 840 or 900 behind it. Yep. And that was extremely popular. But with the advent of NVMe technology, Yep. And things shrinking, what we did is we combined the, the SVC, if you will, the Spectrum Virtualize, with the Flash Core module. So we, we, we put them into a 2.5-inch U.2 form factor yep. inside the same enclosure that we were running Spectrum Virtualize. Right. And we also rewrote the uh, backend interface to be NVMe. And, and then did the Flash Core modules to be in a standard format so that we could use other, um, other NVMe devices as well. All right. Okay. So we do use Samsung and Kioxia devices, but 90% of our uh, terabytes are Flash Core modules. Okay, so effectively you standardized to allow people who are building a Flash system to have choice. That's it was, correct. It was, it was choice effectively. Correct. Um, and that seems like quite a... Quite a smart move, but you don't sell those separately, do you? I mean, you can't. I can't go out and buy flash core modules and put them in my <laughs> my PC at home. It's not. It's not like you've suddenly entered the market to sell a product directly to consumers. It's part of the flash system. That is correct. They they are designed to be part of flash systems. All right. Now, yes, standard NVMe, 
and uh, we, we comply with the NVMe standard, but we do not sell them as SSDs. I mean, IBM used to. Remember the, the hard disk drives? Invent, in, in fact, I IBM invented yes, <laughs> the I hard remember. disk drive. And we got out of that business in 2000. Yep. And it's really a very different business model to sell SSDs and to sell systems. I'm not sure anybody does that anymore. It's very hard. And plus, you're now competing with the very people that are providing you technology. Absolutely. All right? Yeah. So we didn't want to do that. Instead, what we do is, is use the flash core module inside the flash system to enhance it. Yeah. So let's let's talk about that then. Um, I mean, the most obvious thing I see is compression in order to get higher capacity, but it can't be all be just about that in Correct. terms of what it does. What value does the, the module add to the system? Yeah. When when we first did it in uh, in two thousand and uh, and and eighteen. All right. We, we used TLC Flash, all right, and, and 3D had just come around, 3D uh, stacking. Yep. And so we used TLC and had, uh, uh, had a 19-terabyte module, which was higher than the industry at that time for NVMe. And I, uh, I, I looked around and said, you know what, we're going to have to use QLC, all right. Yeah, everybody's had to go down that route. Yeah, cost, cost economy and everything else. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, first of all, we're building our, own, we're buying our flash. If you look at Samsung or Micron, they're building an SSD from their own flash. All right. We've got to procure the flash. So the only way we're really going to be able to be economical is to have an advantage over them. Yep. And I have an advantage nobody else does. I have IBM Research. Yeah, right. that's a reasonably big organization in the background. That, that's, <laughs> that's right. right. <laughs> and plus, I was told you cannot use QLC in the enterprise. You've got to use some TLC and some QLC. Yeah. Whenever anybody tells me that, I test the hypothesis. I don't, I don't blame you. Absolutely. <laughs> and with research's help, we were able to take Micron's uh, uh, N28A technology and provide the endurance that we needed. And the IP to get the performance that we got with TLC in real workloads. Right. Right. I mean, physics is physics. The programming time is slower. The access time is slower. But that's the average access time. Some of the pages are like SLC. So if I can look at and, and have the algorithms to determine what data is accessed the most, I can put those on the fastest uh, yep. pages. And I can also use the SLC mode that uh, the blocks provide and use that for hot data. All right. So what we did was with these algorithms and working closely between our old TMS team and research and myself, we came up with a, a technology that could use QLC and mm -hmm. get the same benefits as TLC. Now, that's not really in in the in the same line as compression. All right, this makes it economical. Yes, absolutely. Right, the advantage to the customer. It's not that oh great, I can use QLC. They don't care whether it's QLC, SLC, or or dust off the floor. Right? Or PLC. Is or PLC. Yeah. <laughs> what they care is the cost. Yep. What they care is the the function. So that helps us to be economical, and that helps us to have the highest density. Yeah. So we introduced a 38 terabyte drive in 2020, right at the start of the pandemic, 
pandemic's nice because it helps us to have easy dates to remember things. Yeah, right, unfortunately, <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, so we came out with that right at the start of the pandemic. Nobody even had a 30 terabyte drive at the time. And so it gave us the advantage of having density, of having uh, keeping the performance and the IOP density that we had, and low power. Right. And then combine that with the compression that we had. It was just a winning uh, combination, and it, our clients just love it. Can I ask what other qu a question related to that? Um, and it's something that I've heard sort of bandied around a little bit, and that's the idea of what you might call the blast radius and, and whether yeah. people are scared about going past 16 terabytes into, into high capacities. Um, how do you um, counter that in terms of reliability and, and everything else? I mean, obviously, you sell the product, you're going to support yeah. it, you're going to take it back and you know replace if it fails, but you certainly don't want to be replacing things that are failing regularly. So yeah. you need a degree of reliability in that at that capacity. So yeah. how do you deal with that one? Yeah. So the uh, failure domains are continuing to increase. I remember uh, in 2012, 2013, uh, uh, City and other major clients told us, yeah, we don't go above 200 terabytes. Yeah, right. yeah that sounds about right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, now, it, it, the lowest I hear is 800 terabytes. Uh, one, one customer told me the other day, we don't want above two petabytes. Okay, good. I think we can manage that. Yeah. Um, and, and so it's growing. That's one thing. Most importantly, there's two aspects to this. One is we do a lot to make sure that we have the detection and the error recovery built in. Right. All right. For example, on our compression, we have a compressor and we have a decompressor running side by side, decompressing the data as you compress it. Okay. And if any miscompares, we will just send uh, uncompressed data. We are checking all the time. We have end-to-end -end checking. So that if that uh, flash core module misbehaves, it gets failed. And we have RAID 6 on top of it. Okay. All right? Now, unfortunately, Chris, as you know, things still happen. Of course, yeah, absolutely. Right? So we recommend that our clients run HyperSwap or at least disaster recovery, right? Yeah. And Spectrum Virtualize has a suite of, of, of uh, disaster recovery and high availability solutions that customers need, need to run. Right. And a lot of that's built into Flash System now. Isn't oh, it, it? is. So. Oh, it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And, and what we're also finding is when people say that failure domain of, of a terabyte, if you look at a, at a Flash System box and you look at all the data on it, a lot of that data is actually snapshot data. Right. All right. Well, not that the snapshots aren't as important, but the blast radius really needs to be the production data, yeah. right? If I lose the snapshots... Okay, I, I can recreate the snapshots. It's the production data. And that, that really, a light turned on when a uh, client in, in the Nordics explained that to me. They said, yeah. you got to really look at the production data. Yeah, okay. So that's, that's, that's all good. So um, what else can we highlight within the Flash Core module that is a, an advantage for a customer? I mean, you pretty much covered quite a lot of things there. Yeah. Um, is that pretty much it, or is there more? Oh, no, you no. And, and um, you remember the old song, We've Only Just Begun? Yes, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> I won't sing it. Don't worry, Chris. But um, we, we've really only just begun. So we have a hinting technology that sounds boring, but um, the, the key to performance and the key to keeping latency low is to understand your data better, all right? And, and if the higher level stack has metadata, for example, that needs access to that before it can even get to the data, mm -hmm. if we can learn over time what's accessed the most, 
But if the stack can just tell us, yeah. you know, this is metadata. So we have user-defined um, parts of the NVMe spec where we allow Spectrum Virtualize to tell us things about it. Okay. Yep. Right? Mm -hmm. And that helps the client get better performance. But in addition to that, what we're working on are other assists that can be inside the Flash Core module that the higher level stack can use. All right. And this is in the area of replication. Again, Flash Core snapshots is what we're calling it um, to accelerate snapshots um, instead of copy on write to allow for a redirect on write snapshot provided by the Flash Core module. And ransomware detections where we're really focusing on. Okay. Right? And not that the uh, FCM can detect it on its own, right? It can't. But it has access to your data. So it can be looking for entropy changes and compressibility changes right. and find those quicker. And also your access patterns and compare that to ransomware access patterns. Yeah. And feed a machine learning model. Those are the kinds of things we're looking at doing. And and the reason I am stating that, you know, even though it's in development, not shipping, is because our industry needs to focus. Yes. This is not just an IBM differentiation. This is something society needs. And we're focusing on it. And we're going to help our clients uh, in this battle. I think this side of it is really interesting because, you know, there's been forever uh, build or buy as a discussion about storage systems. And then there was a bit of a build or buy about flash um, systems yeah. under, uh, I think, just yourselves and maybe Pure Storage now who who bothered to put the effort in to build their own modules. And when you look at it, you think, well, it seems to be a lot of effort, but actually in some respects, the benefit that comes out of doing that is you get much deeper into the data and not just, uh, you know, like a traditional drive, which is just trying to be the, all things to everybody. Yeah. You can actually be a bit more specific to data profiles, I.O. profiles. And I think in the long term, that's going to be a really strong advantage, especially where we're headed with Flash. If you yeah. don't have that, that's going to be tricky for other, other vendors. Yeah, and, and I completely agree. If you look at uh, Moore's Law and CPUs, it's really slowing down. I'd say it's dead. So you, you, you don't get an increase in processing power like you used to at the same cost. Yeah. All right. So we have to look at how to use all parts of the ecosystem to accelerate things. And why have the CPU do storage kinds of functions and mundane things like scanning data when I'm closer to it? The FCM yes. Is, yes. has the data right there. It has more bandwidth than the CPU can get. Yep. Let's use that that's bandwidth. A good point. Yeah, good point. Yeah. So it sort of makes sense that that's where we should head. So I guess we've just got to keep an eye out, see where these products come out oh, yeah. as you you release it. Um, and that will be as part of a flash system, I guess, evolution as yes, well. Yes, that's right. Okay. That's right. And and flash systems, but not just flash systems, other, part of the, uh, other parts of the IBM portfolio as well will be uh, adopting. In fact, uh, ESS, which is Spectrum Scale Appliance, uh, has... Uh, flash core modules. Okay, ship, right. Didn't know and that. that will be continuing and you'll see other parts of the portfolio. Brilliant. Andy, thanks for your time. It's been really interesting to chat and uh, I look forward perhaps to catching up in the future and just, you know, getting an update when the next set of updates come out. My pleasure. Thank you, Chris. Thanks. You've been listening to Storage Unpacked. For show notes and more, subscribe at storageunpacked.com. Follow us on Twitter at Storage Unpacked or join our LinkedIn group by searching for Storage Unpacked Podcast. You can find us on all good podcatchers, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify.
Thanks for listening. 